For the hour is coming, in the which that all are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth. They which have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they which have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. He sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth. I receive not testimony from man, but the things that I say that he may be saved. He was a burning and shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his life. But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness to me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself which has sent me has borne witness of me. Now we bow our heads just a moment for a prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come tonight to worship thee, and we're thankful for the opportunity that we have of, of coming. And through this channel of, of Holy Spirit, which has been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, that we have access to the throne of grace through the name of Jesus. And we're so happy for it tonight. And we pray now that you'll forgive us of our sins. And as we've gathered here, scattered around about over the city, and we're in the little auditorium here tonight with this little group of people. I pray that your holy presence will meet with us. And we know that you're already here. And we pray that you'll do the exceedingly abundantly at tonight. And may our hearts rejoice. May every Christian take a new hope tonight. And may, if there be any unsaved, May they just renounce sin in their life tonight and come and believe and be saved. Grant it, Father, and meet with thy servant here, Lord, and help me as I hold the purchase of your blood before me. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been one of the most amazing things that I have noticed along the lines of my ministry for our Lord Jesus is the peculiarity of people. And a study of human life is one of the greatest things that, that a person can study, to watch nature of people and the different parts of the nations and worlds to where you go, you'll notice there's a different, there's a different uh, attitude that people take towards Christ, towards his services, towards his service, towards worship. And one of the things has been that one type of meeting will just be wonderful in one part of the country where it won't work in the other part of the country. Uh, I believe mostly to blame for that 
or not to blame, but mostly is the way the people are taught. And the church will never live higher than its pastor teaches. You seldom find that. If you've got a good, sound, sane, gospel teacher, you'll usually find that type of church. And it's just where your pastor leads you, the, the pastors that you feed on. You know, I've noticed that among, I have two Bibles, one of them is Nature. I watch that closely, for God lives in his Bible of Nature. You take an animal, when it feeds off of a certain type of ground, that animal will turn the color of that ground, if you notice it. Take, for instance, um, you take uh, the, uh, even to the, the varmint, coyote, down in Mexico, you notice in there, these kind of uh, them red weeds and things, the coyote turns red. And up in this part of the country, or farther up, of course, in the Westland, he'll turn uh, a brown-looking and kind of a bluish-brown because he, he feeds in that part of the country. The deer will be the same way. They're the same little mule deer. And, and the way down in Mexico is a reddish-looking. Up here he's grayish-looking. As he goes on farther north, he turns dark. It's what ground he feeds on. And, and you notice another thing about nature, that whenever you find out in the desert, from Arizona and around, you find there's a, a group of uh, uh, everything out there where there's no rain, it's always got stickers on it. Every weed you get a hold of has got a sticker on it. Well, then you take them weeds and come up here where they have a lot of rain, it doesn't have any sticker on it. That's a good lesson. See, if the church is all dry and no spirit in it, you always got a sticker that boosts around. <laughs> you need a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost rain, don't you? That softens you up. <laughs> That's right. And it, the church can't do it yourself. It takes God to do it with you. God can't do it without you, and you can't do it without God. Mr. Woods is here tonight somewhere. At least he's taking recordings here. And Mr. Beeler, we was in Colorado not long ago, and I was thinking of a spring I used to go by up there. This little spring, it's always seemed to be the most happy spring I ever seen. I always like to drink at it because it's always a bubbling, bubbling, bubbling. I sat down one day and thought I'd talk to that spring, and I said, "What you bubbling about?" Well. Of course, they couldn't talk back, but I just had to answer for it. And I said, maybe you're happy because you're jumping and carrying on like that because that, uh, that these deers come here and drink out of you. You're very cool, nice water. No. Maybe because bears come by. No. I said, well, maybe because I come by is what makes you bubble like that. No. I said, well, what makes you bubble like that? If he could answer me, he'd say, now, look, Brother Branham. It, it isn't me bubbling, it's something behind me pushing me, making me bubble. So that's just the way it is with a Christian. I had a man tell me, say, now, Billy, you're getting over amongst a bunch of holy rollers. And said, they all it worked up by excitement. Said, they just a bunch of excitement, that's all there is to it. They just scream and jump and holler. Well, there's got to be something to make them do that. <laughs> So that's what it is. It isn't them jumping. It's something in them jumping. That's right. 
If I go out tonight and could speak to the star and say, what makes you shine? You're so pretty, you're just lighting up the heavens and everything. What makes you shine like that? If he could talk, he'd say, Brother Brandon, it ain't me shining, it's the sun shining on me. <laughs> That's what it is. It isn't the church that's shining. It's the Holy Spirit shining on the church. That's right. That's what gives the light, the testimony. It makes them what they are. Not long ago, I was, used to pastor a little Milltown Baptist church over here in Indiana. I stayed with an old man named George Wright. I'd come home of the night, and I noticed out in the corner, there's a, when I'd come in about 10 o'clock, and there was a way in the country, and warm summertime, there's an old nightingale used to sit out there, and how he would sing, my, my. You know, birds are happy. You never see one of them with a great draw-down look like we had, do you? You never, little bird gets up real early in the morning, just sings and throws his head up and just sings to the glory of God. You never heard of one of them having high blood pressure, did you? <laughs> having to be operated on. He just glorifies his maker, that's all. But we wander around sometimes. This little old nightingale, he would just sing and sing and carry on. I thought, well, what makes him sing like that all through the night? I noticed on a cloudy night, he would sing and then he would stop, and then he would sing and then he would stop. I got to study the life of the nightingale. So the nightingale, what he does, he looks heavenly, heavenward always. And when he can see a star or any kind of a light, he'll start singing. Because that he knows the sun's shining somewhere to shine on that star. Well, that's what I think about a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost meeting. When I can hear a good old hearty amen once in a while or a hallelujah or somebody jump up and scream and cry a little bit, I know the sun's shining somewhere. <laughs> that's all. It just kind of gives you just a real good feeling of that type. In these meetings, someone said not long ago that wrote me a little letter and said, Brother Branham, God raised Brother Roberts up to take your place. <laughs> I said, well, I'm glad somebody is in the work. He said, because it's, you don't pray for enough people. He said, your people come to your meeting and they feel that, that they never get prayed for. You just get a few up on a platform and after a while you're all sapped out and they take you out and you're hauling you around a half hour to come to yourself. So they never get prayed for you. You can't get to them. Well, that's the truth. That's exactly. But, you see, you said, Brother Roberts will pray for 500 while you're praying for two. That's right. But Brother Roberts is doing what God told him to do, and I'm doing what God told me to do. See, that, that's just a different thing. So we, I can't be Brother Roberts, Brother Roberts can't be me. We're, who are either one of us? Servants of the Lord. That's right. Trying to minister to the people, do the best that we know how for the glory of God. And so Brother Roberts has one way of God give him a way of just a real strong, predominating, if you excuse the expression, bulldog faith. He just stands up there and grips a hold of it. He bleeds for anything. And he, uh, somebody comes up, got demon possession or something other, or cancer or tumor, he'll stomp his feet and scream out and nothing else scared away. He. He gets the job done, oh. It's all right. People are getting healed. So I say, praise the Lord. Sure. Now, I couldn't do that. See? Because I'm not Brother Robert. See? 
I like that real hold-on faith that he's got. Brother Jaggers, many of them. Brother Freeman, 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 I believe it is. And many of those others have got that real gripping faith. I call that gifts of healing. They believe what they're talking about. They lay they look out here and read it, and the word Jesus is the same yesterday's day and forever. They come up here. I challenge it right now, and I'm ready to go after it. I like that. I pray for them brothers all the time. God just sent them along. Just run out every evil spirit in the country if we can. That's the way to do it. <laughs> sure. Now, I like that, and I appreciate those brothers' real predominating, over-jumping faith, you see. They just challenge anything, grab a hold of it, and hold on to it. I like that. I was a different person. I guess I just kind of slow, and I kind of watch where I put my feet, kind of particular where I'm walking, and, oh, I don't know, funny kind of a guy, I guess. Now, that goes all right in some parts of the country, some it doesn't. But I, I guess I could say a gift of healing, because I don't believe anybody that has faith in healing has a gift of healing. Because every gift is operated by faith. Is that right? That's all you can have is faith to believe it. And now there's no one, Brother Jaggers, Brother Roberts, or myself, or no one else, that can heal another person. There's none of us claim to. We don't heal people. We only try to get them to look to the man that's already healed them, Jesus Christ, and get them to accept it by faith, and that settles it. When they... When Jesus healed him back there, I believe that every sick person was healed when Jesus died at Calvary. I believe I can prove that by the Bible. That by his stripes we were, past tense, we were healed. And every sinner in the world was forgiven when Jesus died at Calvary. But it will never do you any good until you accept it. See? You've got to accept it, then it becomes your personal property. Then you could get down here at the altar. You wouldn't necessarily have to come, but I believe in altars. You get down at the altar, you could cry, you could pray, you could walk up and down the altar, you could pull your hair and, and just go on. But that ain't what saves you. I believe in all of that. Yes, sir. But that isn't what saves you. You'll never be saved until you believe. Is that right? You have to believe. And when you really believe it, no matter if you're at the altar, out the street, or wherever it is, when you believe it and accept it, then it becomes your personal property, a gift of God, by grace. And you couldn't have any idea of getting right with God until first He draws you. So it comes by election then, isn't it? And everybody here that's ever heard God knock at their heart's door ought to be the happiest person in the world. Because there's some people he'll never knock at their heart. He he would, but he, in order to be God, he knows the end from the beginning. He's not willing that any should perish. Well, you say, preacher, how do you preach the gospel then? How do you know? I don't know who they are. Here's the gospel preacher. Uh, As like unto the kingdom of heaven, a man went forth and cast the net into the sea, and when he draw the net in, that's the gospel. And when he draw it in, he had some fish in there. He had some crawfish in there, and he had some turtles in there, and he had some snakes in there, and he had some water bugs, and he had everything in there. As long as the gospel net was over him, they all looked the same, but when he lifted the net, 
You just know it. It's like a revival. The preacher throws the gospel net. He pulls everything up here he can. Well, first thing you know, the old turtle looks up and says, There ain't nothing to it. And here he goes right back to the mud. The first thing you know, here's that big old water bug. Plop, 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 plop. Frog do, you know, just as hard as he can go right back to the puddle. There's nothing to it. Somebody stepped on my toes. There ain't nothing but hypocrites up there. I ain't going to stay. Away he goes. The old snake serpent. I told you, I know that woman is just got There he goes, right back to the water. But there's some fish in there, too. So it ain't my business. I just throw the net in the pond and pull it. God takes out what fish. <laughs> is that right? God takes the fish. I have nothing to do with it. I don't keep his books. He knows who's who. But it's up to preach the gospel. That's up to God to do the, the, the saving. And now when you're saved, you're just then hitting the right road. A minister said to me not long ago, he said, they're seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost. A great man. He said, Brother Branham, I believe I've got the Holy Ghost. I said, well, believing doesn't give it to you, brother. It's the gift of God. And he said, look, Brother Branham, that Abraham believed God by faith, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. I said, that's right. Exactly. But he gave him the sign of circumcision and commemoration as a memorial of his faith. And today when we say that we believe, we're, we can believe in a measure, but when God gives us the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he confirms our faith. And seals us. Ephesians 4.30, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of your redemption. The Holy Ghost is a confirmation of your faith in God. God has confirmed it and recognized it so and put the seal of approval on you. That's what we want, isn't it? That's what the church needs. That's what makes you alive. Now, back to divine healing. I have been wondering... Brother Bosworth all along has talked to me about it. He said, Brother Branham, I believe that if you do something different once it's in your meetings, you got in the same routine. And, and so he said, if you do something different, I believe you get to more of the people. So if the Lord willing, beginning tomorrow night, I'm going to come down to the platform the Lord willing, preach a while, and just see if we can't pray for a groups of people. For the next two or three nights, while we got plenty of time and nobody's in a hurry, while we got all, how many is born again in here? Let's see how how many is in here born again. Well, we got forever. Is that right? Well, we're just having a little, just a little pre jubilee here. Well, we got forever. We ain't going nowhere. So we go live forever. You believe that, don't you? So what's the big rush? What do we have to drive 90 mile an hour for? See? Let's just take our time. Be better off, don't you think so? We just take our time. So let's just take our time and see what our Lord will do. Now here is the, to the leading to this spot. Now I'll have to hurry. Close because we just got a few more minutes before praying for the sake. I do not believe this venture small audience tonight. I'm going to make a confession. I do not believe that God ever intended a gift of this type to be used for these type of meetings. 
because it, it, it's done a great work, and it is a divine gift. God, who is my solemn judge, who I stand here, knows that I'm truthful to you. I believe God's proved that to you, just that it's truthful. Now, I, I believe that it was born as, as a prophetic utterance. Oh, many people call it one thing and another thing and so forth. I don't know what it is, just so the Lord loves me and I love him and settles it with me. And don't have to be anything, call it anything, just so it gets the results for the Lord Jesus and for his people. That's the main thing. It has caused many others, Brother Roberts for one, Brother Jaggers, most all of them, they come set right where you're setting. They've seen the Lord working, it inspired their faith and said, here we go. And they went out and done something for the Lord. I hope there's 50 comes out of this meeting the same way. That's right. Go out and do something. It's all for the kingdom of God. All for his glory. And I remember Brother Roberts went back in behind the little place. Brother Bosworth, you were there that night in Kansas City. Brother Roberts come back there, had a little bitty tent meeting over there, there a dozen or two people in it. <laughs> Brother Bram, do you think God would answer? I said, he'll answer any man's prayer. It'll be sincere. That's right. So away he went. This is here, our vision. I, uh, this is just, I'm going to preach doctrine in these meetings, nothing but divine healing. If this is contrary to what you believe, you do just like I do when I'm eating cherry pie. When I hit a seed in a cherry pie, I don't throw the pie away, I just throw the seed away. <laughs> I keep on eating pie. So you do the same thing. <laughs> what you believe about this, you, it's all right, and what you don't, why you just throw it away, but just keep on eating what you think's right. I believe that before the foundation of the world, according to Ephesians 1, that God knew us and knew that he was sending me and the other ministers and so forth to preach the gospel before the world was ever formed. I believe that's scriptural teaching. That's got a lot of Calvinistic wing to it. I believe the Calvinists is all right. They got a they got a scripture to stand. So as the Armenian, but they both run out and run out on limbs, <laughs> broke off, made issues. God just brought the whole thing back and stuck in the book of Ephesians and straightened it out. That's right. Just this that. So it's where we have one runs this way and one runs this way and one runs radical this way and that way. That's the way the church always is going. That's man, you see. You don't want to be led by God. But whenever we get to a place that we forget that we are brethren and we're all striving for one place, that's when we've left God. And we've got to recognize one another, even in our peculiarity. I've got a brother that's tall and thin, blonde-headed, pug-nosed, and fair-skinned. We don't look like me. We don't act alike. We, you never know we was brothers, but his daddy is my daddy. And if the family accepted him looking the way he did, Except in me, looking the way I did, then we accept one another to be brothers. That's right. So that's the way we have to do it in this Christian realm. We have to believe, have faith in one another. When the Christians lose faith in one another, the devil's got the church right then. Right. We got to have faith and confidence in one another. Bear with one another. Now, in this, when a little bitty baby, I'd see vision seen visions all along through my life, all the way down, not exactly when the angel come and told me what to do, as you've heard the story and read it many times, but it was, it was all my life. And it's always been to me something that 
usually the type of people that I usually get is what went through those healing lines and so forth in other places and has been the leftovers. The people that's been in healing lines somewhere and failed to have appropriate enough faith under the preaching of the gospel and they drop back into the meeting again. Well, what does that? That's a good thing. Then God has a reinforcement back here to catch that type. See? Now that's good. Now, for instance, I happened to be, I met a friend a while ago. I was looking to see where I, if he was here, he is. First time I've seen him in years. It was one of my first callings when I went to the ministry of divine healing. He was in St. Louis. Many of you have heard me talk about I, many times in my meetings that I used to carry a Bible under my arm and walk around when I was first ordained in the Baptist church and I thought I was a preacher. So I happened to go one day in a tent meeting and I heard a fellow preaching that would preach to he got come out of breath, buckle his knees together and catch his breath. You hear him about two squares away and come back up preaching. You've heard me say that a lot of times. That man's in the building tonight. <laughs> I said from then on I was kind of kept quiet about being a preacher. <laughs> I didn't say much about it. My old slow ways don't think of it that fast. But anyhow, it was just at the time the angel of the Lord had just met me up to the place called Green's Mill, up there at Tunnel Mill, and it told me about these things. That minister is Reverend Mr. Darty from St. Louis. He called me over to his home to his little girl. He had heard of some things, and he called me to his little girl who was laying with the doctors didn't exactly know what was the matter with her. I think they called it um, something like a, uh, a sh get palsy and shake, and, and it's a sanfitis sedan. I believe that's the right way you pronounce that. And doctors had done all they could do for a little thing, and ministers all over the city had prayed and reverently and everything, and they'd known the little child with all. And this, her father was a great believer in divine healing. So he called me, and at that time I didn't have clothes fit to wear over to St. Louis in my congregation. I didn't have any money. So they made up $11 and got me a chair car that night. I left Louisville, Kentucky on a train to go to St. Louis to meet Brother Doherty. One of the brothers let me have his overcoat, and one of my other brothers loaned me a suit. And I went over to St. Louis, and never forget when the train pulled in the next morning. Brother Doherty was standing there. He looked weary. He said, Brother Branham, have you heard anything from the Lord? I said, No, Brother Doherty, how's the baby? He said, She's real bad. I went to his home, and there I met his lovely wife, and her face drooped down. She just wilted. Week after week, this poor little baby, a little curly-headed, sweet little girl like that, just as bad as she could be, just raging her lips where she bit her tongue and everything, just moving and carrying on. Nothing could do it any good. She was dying. Poor little thing, little arms looked uh, just, just pitiful, little blonde-headed, curly-headed darling, about like my little Rebecca. I looked at the little thing, I thought, mercy, and there was Christians filled with the Holy Spirit all in the house. Prayer meetings was going everywhere. 
No results. All right. We went out and we had prayer for the baby. No results. Went out to the church. We had prayer to his church. There with his father, I knelt and I said, God, if you'll let that little baby get well, I promise you, I'll move on out into the services. Always felt that it should. Went back up the house, didn't see much result. We'd waited for hours. I was sitting in the room, and the poor family and the people trying to help him, and they're just going back and forth, and the poor little baby just terribly just can't. He made noise like an animal, just whining. It whined so much to, and screamed so it didn't have any voice left, and it was just going like an animal. The little girl was, making a funny noise. Well, I sat there for a little while and went into the front room and sat down. I walked out on the street, walking up and down the street, praying. I didn't want to get too far. I'd never been in St. Louis, so I didn't want to get off the street, the one street. So I come back. The old father met me out there. The grandfather of the child said, has the Lord said anything? I said, not yet. So I went on back, sat in the house, and one of some ladies in there praying. And when I started, I seen a vision materializing. I didn't know exactly what it And someone come in and left me. I went out. Went out and sat in the minister's car on the outside. I sat down there with my head down praying, and I opened my eyes, and I felt something going around. Like, is that light? I want Brother Doherty to be sure to get one of those pictures tonight. He's never seen one. That's what healed his daughter. And so there, this is moving around. And I watched, and it broke in front of me. And I've seen out over the hood of that car just exactly what took place and just what was wrong with the child. I started back in, and Grandfather Doherty was standing at the door. And Brother Doherty, I said, now, you got confidence in me? Now, he and his wife are sitting here present. I said, you got confidence in me as God's servant? He said, yes, Brother Brown. I said, I have thus saith the Lord. Oh, my. You know, I've never watched it that feels, and how many times, Brother Doherty, that's been around the world, how little do I know what's in on. Then I said, now you do just exactly what I say do, Sister Doherty. She said, all right. I said, I want everybody out of the house, just a family. I said, go to the kitchen, get a little granite pan, get some clear water and a little white cloth. She did. You come back in. I said, I want Grandfather Doherty to kneel to one side of me and, and the father the child to the other side. Now, as I repeat the model prayer, our Father who art in heaven, I want the mother to strike that cloth, wring it out, or strike, wash it across the face, then his hands, then his feet, just as I finish up. And just as the finished up, the word of the Lord came, thus saith the Lord, the baby will be healed, and told just what happened, where it was to have a bone placed back in his back, where it jumped off of the cellar door and knocked the bone out of place. Where you at, Betty? I know you. Would you stand up just as a testimony to the people? There's the girl tonight. <laughs> that's been about seven years ago. Brother Doherty, is that true? You're sitting there. That, that's the father and the mother, and I'm sitting there. The mother right on the end, and, and the friend. Now, thank you. God bless you. Now you see, there was something that had to be done. I just one more little testimony before leaving. Down the same part of 
Kentucky came a Methodist preacher, and me was I was a Baptist preacher. The man was Brother Johnson. You know him, Brother Beeler from down in New Albany. And so he had a Methodist church, and they used to tease one another about, he'd say, if you go up to Billy's, he'll drown you being a Baptist and so forth, you know, just like that. But we were good friends. I think I have time for this little testimony, and I'll hurry. I want you to give me your undivided attention quickly. And he said, Billy, if you'll come down and preach for me one night, I'll not ask you to pray for sick people. When I'm home, I don't like, if you'll never know what a, what a pull that is to your mind. And I want you to watch and play these tapes back and find out on your case just what it said. And I'll, by God's grace, I'll stand just behind what it said. And no matter what it is and how long it takes, here recently I had a testimony come in. There's two women that had been in the meeting and one of them come and, and she had a horrible stomach trouble. And she was prayed for it. And the angel of the Lord come and told her what she had done, everything. She's willing to make it right. And it said, Thus saith the Lord. Go home and eat what you want to, or you're going to be well. She went home. The lady was a neighbor of hers, had a big lump on her throat. It told her the same thing. She had some restitutions to make and spoke in the name of the Lord that she should be healed. Well, the woman with a stomach trouble went home. She said, well, I believe that with all my heart. What is sin, friend? Sin, smoking cigarettes is not sin. Drinking whiskey is not sin. Committing adultery is not sin. That's the attributes of sin. He that believeth not is condemned already. Unbelief is sin. Is that right? You do those things because you don't believe. Jesus said, He that heareth my words and believeth on him and sent me have everlasting life. See? The thing is, is your faith. And if you believe God, you won't do those things. See? That's just the attributes of sin. You smoke cigarettes because you don't believe God. You drink whiskey because you don't believe in God. You say you do, but your testimony, your work speaks too loud for your testimony. That's right. By their what you shall know them. Their testimony, their fruits you shall know them. That's right. By their fruits. You do those things because you're an unbeliever. All right. Man, when this... Woman, she went home and she started to eat, and it like killed her. Oh, she was so sick. She vomited. Days passed, weeks passed, about six weeks passed. Now, I've got her testimony. She's just one of the thousands, but I'm just giving this for an example. She lived in Illinois. And she come to another meeting and gave the testimony. She said one morning, oh, she was suffering so bad with that stomach or hurting her ulcers, and she was standing at the window. And she was washing the dishes, and she said she was so sick, she tried to, to drink, a, a, drink a, a few cups of coffee, and it made her so sick. And she said, after a real cool feeling went over. So she goes back, and she said, uh, she got real hungry. And she just picked up a little piece of toast that one of the children had left, they'd gone to school. She started to eat that toast. She said, all that buttered toast would make her so sick, but she's so hungry, she couldn't stand it. So she eats a little bite or two of toast. No ill effect. And she threw the rest of it. So she had some, they had some oats left over, so she just, they were eating the children's oats. And that usually would make them really sick, but it didn't make her sick. So she just poured her a cup of coffee and drank it. <laughs> so it was all right. So she was just feeling fine. She said, well, I don't understand this. So down the street she went to tell her neighbor. Four or five doors below, and when she got in to tell her neighbor, she found her neighbor in there screaming at the top of her voice. And the lump had just left her throat. 
so they didn't know what it was. What it was, on the platform, when the angel of the Lord had pronounced that, he can't be to you just at every second, but he's passed through that neighborhood confirming the Word of God, making it right. Sometimes you pray. I believe Daniel, the angel couldn't get to him one time when he's asking for, I believe 21 days, wasn't it? 21 days before he could get there. See? Now, if you lost faith, then lost out. But you do just exactly what God says do. This is his word first. The other is secondarily. Now, at this meeting that night, when I started out of the building, he had to let me out through the back. And I went out and he said, I told you, this reverend said, I would not ask you to pray for any sick people. He said, Brother Bram, I got a little girl here. Many of you brothers know here, you here from Jeffersonville. I haven't seen Dr. Cobble sitting over there also from the church, the open door a little. Just notice you. And Mrs. Cobble, well, God bless you. I didn't notice you there. Did you know they were here, Dr. Bonford? And Dr. Bo- I believe you're acquainted with the cases I'm fixing to say. And so Dr. Cobble's just from Louisville, got one of the biggest churches in the city of Louisville. And so, uh, and a very dear, sweet brother, I have to say that too, because he really is. Brother Cobble's, you ministers want to shake his hand learn of him. He's a very dear person, he and his wife and family. He was the one who followed around with his little girl one time who was very, very sick. And how I come to get acquainted with Dr. Cobble? He had just a great prestige and everything around the city and with the degrees and everything he had. I mean, my poor little sad press, it didn't make much difference around that. So one time some of his friends come told me he was had an operation, his throat was bleeding to death out of the Catholic hospital in Louisville. They wanted me to go over and pray for him, and I went over there. The man was, had so many missionaries and things standing in the room, and he was up there grasping his breath, trying to get people saved, standing there in the room. Well, I didn't want to go in before a man of that. I just sat down behind the coke box and began to pray for him like that, turned around and went back home. And when I got back over home, they called again. Well, no, I said, I prayed for him behind the coke box over there. And they said, well, come on over. I walked into Brother Cobbles. He was standing there hemorrhaging to death, dying right there on the bed. No hopes for him to live. I asked our Lord Jesus to heal him, and the blood stopped immediately, and not one hour after it was right then, been well ever Is that right, Brother Cobbles? That's right. And he went right on down in, down in Jamaica, somewhere down in the, the countries like that. Been normally and well. He brought his little girl. I couldn't tell what was wrong with the little girl. And he'd always catch me at home. He kept following meetings. Bless his heart. He was up in Windsor, Ontario, and everywhere. And one day at Chattanooga, Tennessee, we just come in. The anointing was still on me. He wanted to shake my hand. The little girl walked over and sat down. And there our vision broke forth and showed just exactly what it was. And she's healed right on the spot. Is that right, brother and sister? That's right. And one of his girls. And it's, oh, my. The world's full of it everywhere. Oh, it's full of the goodness of God. Going down the steps of... Brother Johnson's that night, I thought, well, he told me he had a, a Sunday school, and I just wanted to show you why, just what the gift is for. And then, going down, he had a Sunday school teacher, well, he talked to me that she must be in straitjacket. She was so mentally gone. And I went out on the steps, and there stood a nice-looking little lady, about 30 years old. She said, how do you, Brother Brandon? I said, are you the patient? Yes, sir. That's what's the matter. She said, I don't know. I prayed for her and went on. And then... A few days after that, on the street, wife and I met her. She had two women with her. No, she was in such a condition. We stepped up in a little place there called the White House. I prayed for her again. So when I went overseas, she kept calling my wife. She said, oh, if he ever, if an angel of the Lord ever visited, said, I can't get out of this city right from here. 
She's afraid. She's mentally upset. She'd been going to this famous psychiatrist in Louisville for around eight years, twice a week, ten dollars a trip. My poor husband is broke from keeping her out and didn't do no good and just kept on. She'd went to every divine healing to come through the country. They had them all there, and they poured enough oil on that girl anointing her to make a gallon, I guess. And they stomped devils out, and they kicked and screamed and hollered and everything else and trying to get... Now, the devil don't care how much you kick and scream. <laughs> he just sat right there. He knows what he's doing, but he knows how much authority he's got. He hasn't got none when real faith is standing there. He's stripped of everything he's got. But you have to know that. So they've been, she's been everywhere, and people have been there praying for her from all over the country. And for years. And so one morning up there in the house, I haven't got time to go into details, but the angel of the Lord come into the house. My wife and all of them is there, seen it. And she said, Bill, let me call that little woman, will you? And I said, well, sure, call her. And it, I went out. First thing you know, there's a man come in from Louisville that had cancer from a Baptist church in Louisville. And God healed him while I was in the room. And here he sits right here now. Is that right, brother? Yes, sir. Stand up as a testimony there. <laughs> from the Baptist church in Louisville. I was sitting in the room. I had to hurry out there. My wife said, now get to this little girl, <clears throat> this little woman. She had two or three little children. I walked in where she was. Only thing I'd seen her these couple times, just know she belonged to Methodist Church, Main Street Methodist Church in New Albany. And she was sitting there holding her hands like this. I said, what's the matter, sis? And she said, oh, I don't know, Brother Branham. She said, I, I guess I'm just crazy. And I said, I don't think so. You don't talk like a crazy person to me. So I had to get her mind stretched different, you see, so I could get her off of that thought. I said, let's take a little trip and go back before the world again. Stand off and watch the world come into existence before God made his first star and so forth, like that. In a few moments, I felt the angel of the Lord pulling into this channel. And when it did, I seen a little black car running like that, right across my room. I said, was you ever in an accident? She said, no, sir. I see her now on a platform. I'd have prayed for her and let her go on. See, but I had her before me. I watched again just a minute. The first thing you'll hear it come. I seen the vision break then, come right straight in. It caught me. No way of getting away then. I said, I see a little car. You're sitting by a blonde-headed man, and there's an automobile coming. You pass then. There's a big light. It's a train. And there went the vision. She let out a scream and jumped out into the floor and fainted. So the vision went on. Here it was. When she got married, just before her husband went overseas, just a few weeks, she was a young woman, this last war. And when went overseas, her being just a girl, she started running around, being lonesome, and she started running around with another man. And she went out in a little car with him one night and lived untrue to her marriage vow. And on the road home was almost killed by a train. Told her all about what she did. And then when she raised her up on the floor, she began screaming to the top of her voice. Wife come in there and said, well, what was the matter? And she said, oh, Brother Branham, don't you tell that to nobody. I said, I thought you told me you was a Christian. She said, I am. She said, I've confessed that to God years ago. I said, it wasn't God you sinned against, it was your husband. Your marriage vow. You was a married woman. 
I said, you'll have to go make that right with your husband if you ever get well. She said, I can't do it. It'll break our home up. She said, I've got three little children. She said, my husband will leave me. I said, now, lady, I've done all I can do. I said, you know, there isn't a psychiatrist in the world could pull that out of you. That's way back in the Gabriel end of your soul, and you're just, you subconsciously think of it, and you got yourself in that condition. I said, that's the whole thing. Now, there's the truth. And you know it's the truth. There's no other person in the world but you, that man, me, knows this now. She said, that's right, but said, I just couldn't make it right. I said, well, now, that's all I can do. She said, oh, you're not going to leave. I said, yes, ma'am, there's a man sitting in the room, which is this man here. I said, he's very seriously ill. Fevered up there this morning. I said, I've got to go in and some more people coming. And she said, oh, I can't. Well, what must I do? I said, go call your husband and make it right. Get right. Get the thing clean. That's the only way to do it. And she said, well, she said, I just can't do it. And I, she said, oh, I, I'll die. And she started like that. I had to look around, and I seen a, something forming by the side of her. And I looked, and there stood a man, black-headed, combed his hair over Connie sideways, Connie wavy, a little older than she was. I said, is your husband a black-headed man? She said, yes, sir. Is that Connie tall? Yes, sir. I said, isn't he a deacon in the church? She said, yes, sir. I said, he works for a Chevrolet company, doesn't he? Yes, sir. I said, he has the same thing to confess to you. No wonder Brother Johnson can't have a revival. I said, looky here. I said, your husband, when he landed in France, he'd taken a girl and told what he did. And I said, there's a woman works in the office. And she was wearing a pink dress, and they was in a green Chevrolet car no more than three days ago. And he's guilty of the same thing. I said, not my husband. I said, well, you all better get things right. You better call him up. So me got talking to her and persuaded her to do it. She went and called her husband, and they got in a car and met on the road. So she got in, in his car, and she said, I want to tell you. And she confessed it all to him. And he was looking at her and said, now, didn't you go out with the, the woman, the office woman there, there, two or three days before that? And you was in this green Chevrolet car, and she was wearing a pink. Well, how did you know it? Where have you been? And so she told her where been, and he said, honey, that is the truth. And I will admit it's the truth, and if you'll forgive me, I'll forgive you, and we'll raise our children and start life right. In a few minutes, sure, they come back up the steps, three, tears streaming down their cheeks. Aha! Satan lost his hope, man. <laughs> see? Now, that's where it's at, see? Now, that settled it. But as long as that sin was under there, no matter how loud you screamed, how hard you stomped, how much oil you pour on, how loud you pray, or how easy you pray, or whatever you do, that devil will stay right there. Because he has a legal right as long as you've got unconfessed sin. That's right. And you'll watch on the platform. You tell him you're me, say something about, I'll cast out this devil. I have to see first whether it's the will of God to do that first. I'll pray for the person, but never call over that demon. Do you realize that a, a gift of that type could send your soul to hell? How many believe Moses was a prophet? How many believe he disobeyed God? <laughs> Certainly. God said, go down there and speak to the rock. Don't smite it no more. It's already been smitten once. That was Christ. Is that right? And Moses was a prophet and had power before God. And he went right down there and done contrary what God told him not to do. He smote the rock, it didn't bring forth this water, and he smote it again. That you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And he did what was against God's will, because God had lauded to him to be a prophet, and he had power to bring the water out of the rock, whether it was God's will or not. Is that right? 
He did it, didn't he? You know, it wasn't God's will. God told him not to, but he did it anyhow. But then God dealt with Moses. Is that right? He wouldn't let him go over to the promised land. How about Elijah, that young man that went bald-headed when he was a young man, and little children began to tease him, saying, Oh, bald-head, oh, bald-head. Why, my. But it made that prophet angry. And he turned around and put a curse on those children, and two she-bears killed 42 little innocent children. Is that right? You know that's not the nature of the Holy Spirit. Kill those poor little children. But it was an angered prophet. Be careful. Now, you see what I mean? That's the reason I go easy. Watch what I'm doing. Once God put a, something on somebody, God didn't put it on there. He permitted Satan to do it, to put the curse on the person because of something he was trying to do. And here I'd come around and take it off of him. See what kind of a condition what God would do? So that's the reason that I go easy. Watch what I'm doing. When I find the will of God, then I know where I'm setting my foot. But until I know the will of God, I, now I'm not condemning people who doesn't. That's, God don't hold them responsible if they don't know. That's exactly right. They're just doing what they can. But that's the reason I go very easy and watch what I'm doing. You understand now? And that's why I don't pray for no more than what I do. And if I see something, and I see that God, what is done, and confession is made, and everything is clean and clear, then I ask the devil to leave the person. If I don't see it, then I don't understand it. If you're on a platform trying to get to another, just as soon as I see just about one thing, something wrong, I just say, is that right? Yes, that's right. Well, you accept Christ as your healer? Yes. Well, God bless you. Go and may the Lord make you well. I don't know what's going to happen to the patient. I'm just trying to get their faith moved up into a place where they can be healed. You see what I mean? Now, while I'm standing right here talking, Right here now, while I'm standing here talking, I've seen a person right here healed while I'm sitting right here, standing right here on the platform. Healed right here on the platform just a few minutes ago when I was giving a testimony. That's right. The person healed. The Lord bless you. Tomorrow night, if the Lord willing, when we get over in the other big place, we're just going to come down there and just try to preach about 15 or 20 minutes and see if we can't pray for a whole group of people. Would you like that? If you would, say amen. Just, just come up and pray for them, not search the case out lest they hit something that ought to be searched out, so then just let him do the searching. And you understand now, will you always understand if somebody said, what makes Brother Bram take his time and so easy and like this? And remember, one vision, seeing one vision will bring more, take more strength out of the human body than to preach for two hours as hard as you can preach. Daniel saw one vision and was troubled at his head for many days. Is that right? Now, in here, I don't see the whole picture. It's just like, as I've always said, people, how many of you little boys ever sit down over a board fence and look at the ball game through an odd hole or something, you know what I mean? Or a carnival passing by. See? You stand on your toes and look over and say, I've I, I, I seen an elephant. See? Then you're back down again. Then look up again. I've I, I seen a giraffe go by. Well, see? You're just looking. That's the way these visions are kind of uh, uh, giving it to you in that manner here. See, when I'm straining, watching, spirit all around, everywhere moving, and I'm trying to see what the vision is, and I see here breaks before me a hospital, a woman's being operated on in a golf gallbladder trouble. Hasn't you been operated on? Yes. God bless you. Amen. See, I just but now that's when I'm pushing the gift itself. But then when I just stand, don't even have nothing to do with it. God just kind of reaches down and gets me to the back of the collar and raises me up over the fence. So you see where it started back here? 
See all about it along here? See what it's going to be over here? That's when God does it. See, that's when he does it at his own will. When I kind of press to it like this, because it's a divine gift, and that's the reason I go easy, because I'm pressing to it myself. Do you understand? If you do, raise up your hand. Say, I understand, Brother Branham. I, I believe you. All right, thank you. God bless you. Now I'm going to pray for all that I can tonight. I'm sorry to keep you this late. I've one of my first meetings in Kentucky, and I, I, I want you to be, I want to do everything that I can for the Lord while I'm here. It's kind of been noise abroad. Maybe next week we'll be just across the river over there in Evansville. And um, if the Lord willing, now let's bow our heads. Just sort of move this back, and I want everybody to be just real reverent. Um, you know how I believe in the old-fashioned religion. I believe in praising the Lord and shouting the praises of God. But now, when we're standing like this, I tell you what it does when you move, you see. Or, or reason, if there's a bank of faith around, and you feel demons will pull one from another, you see, if there's something wrong with a certain person. And like a certain person in the building, there's something wrong with them. Well, then when there's something wrong with a patient here, that sympathetic, sympathizing demon, they'll pull back and forth one to another. And the same thing will be when you got, when you got faith. If you get a wall of faith around you everywhere. Remember Jesus putting them all out of the building and things like that, men praying for the sick and the, remember that? See, it's taking those who really believed and those who were really up with God. Now, this man standing here, I suppose we're strangers to one another, are we, sir? I don't know you. And, but we are, we're perfect, total strangers to one another. All I know is that he's just standing here on the platform. He's the man. And I, I pray that God will help. Now, I want to ask, is there anybody here for your first time? That's your first time you've ever been in one of my meetings. Well, my, just look at the hand. That, that makes a dad see every night it should be gone through and guess instead. See? Now, when Jesus was here on earth, I just ask you this. If Jesus Christ was here on earth, as far as healing this man or anybody else, he couldn't do it. He's already did it. Is that right? But if he was here on earth, he didn't claim to be a healer, did he? When he passed by cripples and multitudes of people that were lame, blind, halt, and withered at the pool of Bethesda, he passed right by every one of them. Do you believe he was? You believe Jesus was God? He was Emmanuel. God was in him. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself. The Bible said so. And he was the great Jehovah God, anointed one here on earth, God with us. And he passed right down through those crippled, wicked. A man full of compassion and love for the people, passed by the lame, halt, blind, withered, and never done a thing to them. Walked over to a man laying on a pallet and healed that man, told him to pick up his bed and go. Walked away and let that whole multitude lay there. Is that right? If God willing, in the next few months, I want to walk right down that same ladder, right, same place into the pool. I'm going to be in Palestine, the Lord willing, in the next few months. Now, in that lay great multitudes. The multitude takes 2,000 to make a multitude, I'm told. And there's multitudes. Well, now, you are the old critics, just like they'd be here somewhere else. Why didn't you heal that one? 
Let him heal this one, and I'll, I'll believe it. Well, when he come to his own town, many mighty works he could not do. Is that right? Could not do, the Bible says, because of what? Their unbelief. That's right. So, but he knew what they were doing and what was wrong with them. Is that right? Now, when Philip comes, brought Nathaniel, he, he said he knew where he was at before he come. The woman at the well, he talked to her a little bit and caught her spirit. Then he said he told her where her trouble was. Say, go get your husband. That's where her trouble was. She said, I have no husband. Said, that's right, you got five. Well, she said, I perceive that you're a prophet. And she ran into the city and said, come see a man who told us, told me everything I did. She's just excited. He never told her all she did. He told her one thing she was doing. But if God could reveal that to him, he could reveal everything. Is that right? Now listen, I told now, why you got that now? Because I'm waiting on something, and you know that. Now, while he was standing there, watch. These Jews found this man past his bed, St. John 19, and they questioned him. And when they got Jesus, they questioned Jesus. Now listen to what he said. Verily, verily, I say unto you that the Son can do nothing in himself. Is that right? But what he sees the Father doing, that doeth the Son likewise. Is that right? Then according to Christ's own word, and I believe he told the truth. I'd lay my life anywhere that he told the truth. He did not do one thing until first God, which was within him, revealed and showed him by a vision what to do. Look at the resurrection of Lazarus. He went away from the house three days, just kept on going. They called for him, he just kept on going. Then he turned and said, Lazarus dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. But I go wake him. See, the father done showed him just exactly Lazarus go to die. All about it. It taking three days for it to happen. And when he went back into the, look when he went to the tomb, he said, I thank thee that thou has already heard me, but I said it for these who stood by. See? <laughs> then he said, Lazarus, come forth. And a man had been dead four days, stood on his feet and lived again. Amen. That same Jesus is here tonight. That's right. Now he said, a little while in the world, the unbelievers won't see me no more. Now there's some people who sit right in this meeting and say, oh, that's mind reading, that's mental telepathy. They, could said, they said the same thing about him. Is that right? They called him Beelzebub. You know who Beelzebub was? The chief of the devils, the greatest fortune teller and devil there was. But he's the Beelzebub. And he said, if they call the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more are they going to call them of his disciples? So it's just a true sign of apostleship. Is that right? A discipleship of Jesus Christ. So may he, the one we're speaking of, think of it, friends. Standing now in this school auditorium, after 1900 years, Jesus Christ, if he raised from the dead, he said, the world won't see me, but you'll see me, for I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. And the things that I do shall you do also. Amen. That thrills me so, brethren. Oh, it just makes my heart. Just know that I'm standing here before this little handful of people, and when I stood before, it's a hundred thousand at a time. 
and represent the same Jesus Christ, and not be afraid of what we're talking about. For he, that angel that night said, I'll be with you. I'll stand by you, and he's here now. And I know what he, he is, and I know where he's from. Myself, I'm no good. I'm just a man. But him, he's Emmanuel. He's God. So I know he's here. So this man standing here, we being a stranger, my brother, I don't know nothing about you. I've never seen you in my life as far as I know. But God knows both of us. Now, I just want to talk to you just a moment in order to catch your spirit, you see. Because you're a man, I'm a man. We're of different ages, probably born many miles apart and raised up, never met one another in our lives, but God knows both of us. Now, if I be his prophet, now prophet means this preacher, you see. If I be his, his seer, and I've told the truth, then God can, if he will, by his revealing power, you couldn't hide your life if you had to then, could you? God would know everything about you. And he could show me just exactly who you are, where you're from, what your trouble and how you're going to be and what it takes to get well. Is that right? If he does, amen. If he don't, I'll offer a word of prayer for you and leave the platform. It's the only thing I know to do. But now I want you to look and believe that God has sent me to help you. I thank you. I believe it. I believe you've got a good feeling to your spirit. You're an honest man, and you're, you're, you are uh, interested in, there's, no, first you have a, 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 an eczema, a breaking out on you, on your body. Can't, more, nothing will touch it. And then don't you have a, a loved one that, or wife or someone that's got a, it's arthritis in the spine. Isn't that right? It's arthritis in her spine. You believe me to be God's prophet? And you, you have a habit, don't you? Smoking cigarettes. That's wrong. Will you give it up? All right, come here. God be merciful and bless this man, Lord, who our blessed night is. And may he get healed. May your spirit come upon him, and may all the powers of hell leave him. May this habit leave him, and may he be perfectly normal and well. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless you, sir. Go, sister. Yes, it'll go, go right just rejoicing, happy. You just notice you'll just vanish right away from him. Let's say thanks be to God. You believe? Now be reverent. Now remember, that eczema is loose in this building now. It come out of him like a shadow. Be reverent. Only God alone can make well. I can. I'm a man. God bless you. It's over. 
You sitting there, lady, with the blue-looking coat on looking at me, you're sick too, aren't you? Some kind of a bowel condition that you want to be healed of. You believe God will make you altogether well? You believe that with all your heart? All right, you may raise up. Jesus Christ makes you well. God bless you. Amen. You believe with all your heart? Just a moment. Everyone, please reverend. Don't, don't move around. If something happened, then I... Where was it? Wasn't there somebody healed in the audience just then? Where was it? The woman, somebody was healed. I was talking to somebody. Where was they at? Was I talking to, wasn't I talking to somebody else? Oh, excuse me. Stand up. What was your trouble, lady? Ma'am? right there, look here, right on down that row there. You had bowel trouble too. Hanging over it. You believe that God will make you well? Calling condition, you believe it will make you well? You want to accept your healing now? You do? Stand up to your feet then. God bless you. Go ahead home now to get well. That's Satan. I've seen it move back and I didn't know where it hit. See, it was sympathizing with that same spirit. Go home now and be well. God bless you. Anybody in the building can be healed if you'll believe it. All right, come here, ladies. Excuse me. You believe with all your heart? You believe me to be his servant? I don't know you. Never seen you in my life. No way at all for me to know anything about you. And you don't know me, perhaps. We're just strangers as met here, is that right? Hey, your trouble's in your stomach. It's a tumor. Is that right? If that's right, raise up your hand. You believe God will heal you? You believe me to be his seer, his prophet? See, the reason I ask that the angel of God said to me, if you get the people to believe you. See? That's the reason I'm questioning that. Just a moment, look here again. You've got a loved one that's been hurt. It's a husband. He, he, he's, he's hurt his left arm, and he's, it, a tree fell on it, or a treetop or something. Is that right? If that's right, raise up your hand. Both of you go home. You're going to be well. Jesus Christ makes you well. God bless you. Go down and talk to the left one. God be with you. God's going to let you go that arthritis. You're sitting there praying about it. All right, stand up. It's finished. God bless you. You can go home now. God bless you there. Come, sister. You believe with all your heart? Oh, how wonderful. Why don't you believe everybody now? See? 
You got a broken arm, of course, to see it. You got something wrong with you, you can't hardly get up. It's, it's rheumatism. You've been stewing around about you thought you got polio. But it ain't polio. It's rheumatism. And you got a kidney stone too in the kidney. You got something wrong with your liver. You have to continue taking medicine. The, the liver won't function unless. Isn't that right? It's a nervous condition that's paralyzing the liver. Won't let the flow go right. You have to continue to take medicine for that. Aren't you got? Aren't you acquainted with a brother Bibber? I, I see him talking to you or something. It's, it's a, you're a pastor. Come here. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May thy blessings come upon this woman, and may the Holy Spirit of God heal her and make her well. Whatever her troubles is, Lord, thou knowest all about them, and I pray that you'll make her completely whole. In Jesus Christ's name I ask this. Amen. God bless you. You believe with all your heart? Believe that Almighty God is sure to make you whole? You're here to ask me a question. The first thing, you've got a malignancy, a tumor, cancerous condition, and you feel that you're getting better now. Isn't that right? And you're thinking about an elderly woman, it's your mother, and she has arthritis, and she's something wrong with her eyes. Isn't that right? Well, go lay your hands on her now, and may God make you both well. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will grant this blessings in Jesus Christ's name. I pray that the hand upon her. All right, come. Lady, you believe with all your heart? God is here to make you well. You believe it? All right, I'm going to ask God to heal you. Now, you know you're subject to an operation for a tumor now, and you also have arthritis. But he'll heal you if you believe it. You, Lord, I pray now as I lay my hands on this old mother in Jesus' name. It's over, sister. You can walk off the platform. She don't have any more arthritis. You see that. Look, what can it feel like? It's walk like a real young woman. Snapping your feet up and down like Let's say thanks be to God. Do you believe, my brother, as you come? You want to get over that heart trouble? Say, I accept my healing. God bless you. Go off the platform and say, thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, come, lady. Do you believe as you come? Do you believe that God will make you well? He can. Do you believe he has? If God will reveal to me what your trouble is, then will you accept it? Can you? See, I can't heal you. I can. But you realize you're in a dying condition. 
and know you can't live much longer the way you're standing. That's why I'm trying to shake your faith, lady. Look at here. Are we strangers? Oh, we don't know each other. God knows us both. Is that right? You've had a struggle to get here. Isn't that right? Life has been a very bad thing for you. You're suffering with a stomach condition. Isn't that right? Almost right at the age of death. Isn't that true? But you prayed and you've asked God if you could get to this platform, you'd be healed. You believe if I lay my hands on you? Is that true? You prayed that by the side of a bed and here not long ago. I, kneeling by the side of a bed. Now, is that the truth? If it is, raise up your hand. Now come here. Do you believe me to be his prophet? Then cursed be this devil that holds this woman. May he leave the woman and come out of her in the name of Jesus Christ, may he go. Now go eat what you want to, ladies. Let's say thanks be to God. All right, bring me. Now, lady, you had stomach trouble, too. When his sister said that, it shook you. Is that right? Yours is the Pepsi stomach trouble. Just go on, eat what you want to. God bless you. Go and be made well. Come, lady. You believe in Of course, you see you're wearing glasses. We know that that's true. But I see you by morning, you hardly get up. you got arthritis across the back. Is that right? Go on down through there. Just saying, thank you, Lord, for healing me. And get well in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's say thanks be to God. All right. Come, lady. You're a very deep thinker. You're sincere in it with all your heart. But it's caused you to be a nervous person. And you're very nervous. You're always taking other people's things and thinking about that crossing bridges before you get to it, building things that never happen. And that has developed a stomach trouble for you. Isn't that right? All right. You believe me now as this prophet? Then if you'll go off here tonight and say, Lord Jesus, I accept your vitality is suffering for me. I accept your healing for me at Calvary. I'm going to eat what I want to and tell the devil I'm free. Will you believe that? Then go do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, amen. All right, come, lady. You and I are strangers. I don't... That's the way to think it, sister. That's what you keep your mind on. Got something to hurt you. You believe that God will make you well and heal you with all your heart? You believe it with all your heart, you can have it. You, sister, you have female trouble. Isn't that right? It's an abscess. God bless you. Jesus Christ makes you whole. you believe that? Come here. I bless thee, my sister. In Jesus Christ's name, may he heal you. Amen. Go. Oh, how wonderful. All right. Come, lady. You believe? Yes. Have faith.
you said to me, sir, did, was you just healed with the glasses on? Have you just been healed? Yes, sir. Did you have a, a, an eczema? Or that lady right behind you? Is that, do you have eczema too, isn't it? That's what was standing. I see her hanging there. All right, Jesus Christ makes you whole too, lady. The devil tried to beat you out of that. But God blessed you. Amen. I could see the blessing on that man, and uh, I couldn't tell. Let's say praise the Lord. Double time, sister. Walk the platform, rejoice, and thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Satan, oh, he's whipped right now. He was whipped to Calvary. He's whipped right here in the church. He's exposed. Sure, he's exposed. He's sneaking. He's low down. But he can't hide from God. God knows right where he is. Lady, you have a female trouble. You believe God heals you now? All right, go and rejoice and testify about it. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask it. Let's say thanks be to God. Drop your card, sir. That's all right. Just hold it. Maybe we can get to it in a few minutes. What do you think about this, mister? Do you believe it to be the truth? A little fall of a stripe of town, sitting there? Yeah. Yes, sir. You want to go with that honey you had? You believe God will make you well? All right. Stand up. God bless you. I caught your attention when you dropped your car and you was wondering what it was to drop something. No, it was the next man's car. Have faith, I seen him standing by you. That was over on your left side. But God's going to make, is that right? So just raise up your hand if that's right. That's right. All right. See you down there now and you see it's gone. Now you're well. Jesus Christ has healed you. Praise the Lord. Amen. There it is. Be reverent, there's a deaf man. Bow your heads everywhere. Lord God, who created heavens and earth, made all things by Jesus Christ, who's standing present now to heal the sick and the afflicted, I pray that you'll heal this man. May this deaf spirit who's trying to take his life come out of him. Causing to walk before a moving vehicle and be killed and sent into a premature grave. Thou art evil spirit, called deathness in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come out from the man. You hear me now? City, say, say amen. Amen. Yeah, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. And you had a prostate trouble. Yeah. The doctors want yeah. to operate on you. But Jesus Christ, who give you your hearing, he gives you the prostate trouble. Go and be made well in the name of the Lord Jesus. God bless you, brother. 